This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 85, according to Flint. We don't mess with the young punks much, but I changed my mind. And I mean, what better representative of a young punk bull rider than Mason Taylor himself? I, I don't. And I told you this. I, I haven't used a lot of young guys because, I don't know, I've always preferred in this podcast to tell a story and somebody with a story. And I don't know a lot of the young guys that I was watching this past weekend, as we record this coming off of Tulsa and the first night you look strong, like thinking, damn, that Mason's making a comeback. That's a good story. uh, That's a good story. Thanks. It, it, uh, it's been a long, long road, uh, back. Like it's been, this last me getting hurt, it's been the that's been the longest I've ever went my entire life without getting on a bull. And uh I tried to come back twice and come back too early mm-hmm. and I fell off of one bull. Um I fell off of a bull in Oklahoma City, Washita Red of Brennan's, and you know, he's a bucker, mm-hmm. but he tore my growing again when he bucked me off. And then I waited for, you know, a month again. And I went to Cody Lambert's house and got on a steer and the steer bucked me off and I tore my groin again. And it was just, uh, it was the most embarrassing moment like that I've ever been a part of is falling off in front of Cody Lambert, Justin McBride and all them great guys over there off of a steer. And <laughs> it just like, it's the most embarrassing thing that I've ever went through. And, uh, it's been a long road back, but man, I sure am glad that everything's holding up and I'm finally able to, you know, be at the highest level again. So what'd you do? First of all, uh, people from the outside, of course, you and I have done Q and a things with people and they ask about injuries. What's the most common injury. And I always say the kiss of death for a bull rider (laughs) is a groin injury. Like it's, It's, I mean, that is the elephant in the room. It's the, Oh, when somebody walks out holding their groin, that, and yeah. maybe the most common, right? It's damn sure one that you always hear guys talk about. Yeah, man, I tore my growing, you know, like it sucked. And, you know, but you always see them come back, you know. And I thought it was just going to be, you know, a, a easy, you know, sit out three months, come back. No, dude, it's it was the not only the most weird injury I've ever had, 
But riding bulls wise, I could not stay on. Like if your growing don't work, I don't know how Dalton did it for that half a season one time. Like I really have no idea how Dalton rode with both of his tore off the ground. It, is it tore off the bone? Is it terrible pain? You said it's weird. Does that mean it's not terrible pain or is no strength or what? What what's weird about it? Curious. Like so for mine in an instance when I would go to like set my feet down and to use my spur, like it would just ball up on the back of my hand. Cause it was on the, where I put my hand down. So whenever time a bull would kick and I'd go to use my feet, it would just ball up and send a sharp pain, you know, just all the way down my leg and all the way up. And so when I get off, you know, it just feel like there was a knot. Uh. Like it felt like the whole muscle was just knotted up. I don't know. It was the weirdest feeling I've ever had. <laughs> Probably the biggest knot you've ever had in your groin, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> at least there was, no at least there was something there, right? I mean, really, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah you know, I don't know. It's uh, I've always wondered that. What do they do when when you have groin surgery? Are that what are they attaching? Like, I suppose it's different. Some rip off the bones. Uh, what yeah. was what was yours exactly? So I didn't have to have surgery. So mine okay. was, um, like just below where it pulls off the bone mine was just like where like in the crease of your leg uh i tore tandy explained it to me there's four grades there's a grade one a grade two grade three and grade four is completely in half so i had a grade two where half of the muscle was tore and now there's an indention in my leg and just pretty much a hole there and but the way he explained it to me was it was in the belly of the muscle he said, I can't tell you when it's going to heal. He said, but it will heal. Huh. He said, I can't give you a time frame. And so I would get to feeling good. You know, a month would go by, I'd get to feeling good. Everything quit hurting. And I would do, I tried to come back twice. Hmm. And when I fell off the steer, I come home and I told my mom and dad, and I told Caitlin, my wife, I said, I'm done. I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm, that's it. I said, if I can't ride a steer and, you know, nothing, and that doesn't bother it. I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm retiring. Like, you know, I know I'm young. I know that all this, I said, but that was the most thing I've had to ever go through in my life. But like, it embarrassed me so bad that I was done. I wasn't ever going to get on another bull. And then you started doing the books on your bank account and whatnot. <laughs> but I then- started getting broke. And I started <laughs> feeling really good. And I said, I'm getting on another one. <laughs> uh, but well, the difference, yeah. uh, so the difference this time is, from what I'm hearing is time. You just, I'm in, you were being impatient. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I took this last time I took, it was right at five months. It was right at five months. And in that five months, I didn't do nothing. I mean, I, I, I would buck bulls at the house uh, with some buddies like Austin Richardson when he would come get on, or if some of the kids around the house wanted to come get on. I'd go over there to the house and we'd buck bulls. And I mean, that was all I did. Like I just jacked with the bulls at my house and, you know, I'd ride a horse every now and then, but I was really careful cause I didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, jack nothing up. And I, uh, that and a lot of praying, I yeah. was scared to death you, that I wasn't supposed to get on. Yeah. Pedal a bike. Did you do, or just, you just let it. I so. literally talked to so many people and, one of them was uh, Jim Sharp. Yeah. Um, so I talked who? to Razor. Jim I heard... Sharp. Jim. Sh- who? Oh, Jim Sharp. Yeah. 
so I talked to Jim Sharp and uh, he told me because I heard that he had had bad growing. So I asked McBride uh, for his number so I could call him to see what he did. And he did the same thing. He said, I couldn't pinpoint when mine quit hurting. He said, but I just finally took long enough off at the house that it just healed. He said, you know, I can't really give you an exact time of when it happened. He said, I just finally took long enough off that uh, it quit hurting. Yeah. Uh, time, time, time. Yeah. Uh, um, by the way, I should say fellow Team Cooper Tire member. I, I should oh, throw yeah. that in for us. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it makes us both look good. Isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, isn't that cool, though, when you're at a point in your career that you have those opportunities, regardless of, oh, man. Uh, of who it is? That's a good there's a little security there. There's a little traveling money. I don't yep. know. It's that point. I remember about 1998. You don't remember that probably when <laughs> I was approached by or had those opportunities and it felt like it gave me that, that confidence. I would imagine it as a rider. It could work either way. It could make you cocky or make you confident. Just gave me that little boost of confidence knowing somebody trusted what I was doing. I would yes. imagine same with you. And and believes in you, you know, they believe in you enough or your ability um, enough to be like, you know, I want my name on that guy. And when I got my first ever sponsors, man, it, it was the coolest feeling in the world, you know, cause that's, we don't, you know, as kids growing up, we watch all the guys on TV, but sponsors, you know, we see them on there, but we really, as a young kid, you don't realize how much that they help. I mean, they're literally paying you, to represent their brand and to travel all around the world to live your dream. Like, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much having someone to pay you to go have fun. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a sense, like you got really good at having fun at your job and someone <laughs> is rewarding you for it. <laughs> like uh, it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it, it's uh, I've told the story a lot on here. People probably, again, I tell a lot of stories over and over cause I'm an old man. But, you know, you get calls from young people or parents. Hey, my son wants some sponsors. Can you give us some numbers? How do you get sponsors? It's the old Ty Murray story where the kid came up to him and said, man, how do I get some sponsors? And he said, when? He goes, now. He goes, no, win. 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 <laughs> yeah. Be really good. And there's yeah. always that, well, yeah, but how do I go mm -hmm. get? No, that, be good. Be, yeah. be good at your job. Whichever job yeah. that is, is no for dang sure. I uh, you see all these kids nowadays, you know, uh, like in the junior associations and stuff. They've got, I mean, you can't. They look like a walking billboard. Yeah, and they're getting paid at thirteen years old to wear and represent these brands. Do you think? Like, do you think they're getting paid though? I mean, what, what, what the do you one think? kid, yeah, the one kid that I'm thinking of, Hagen Braswell, he'd gotten paid from the time he was 14 huh. and I was just like, man, when I was 14, if I was stickered up like that and getting paid, I would have been the biggest shithead <laughs> ever. I would have been the biggest freaking cocky, little arrogant. Well, you were bull rider. You were, around. you were top 10 anyway in being a shithead, right? I mean, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I'd have been number one though. <laughs> I'd have went from 10 to one. <laughs> uh, I know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, uh, I, I remember a few years ago, I was at the NFR because I do my show there. Yeah. They were, I had people get a, contact me requesting, 
hey, my son's a really good bull rider upstairs at the junior NFR. Can we please be on your show? No, nah, nah, I'm yeah. good. There's there's a whole bunch of NFR guys. And then come yeah. get autographs from the junior NFR. Well, I just don't think we, we I don't think that's a manufactured thing. I think an autograph thing is someone you seek out because it means something. So I don't know yeah. how healthy it is for everybody yeah, to I create it. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, cause the first time I ever got to go sign autographs had a PBR. You remember how, uh, before COVID they would make us all walk out in the arena and walk around yeah. and sign autographs. I'll never forget it. We were in Atlantic city, New Jersey. It was my first event ever. And somebody recognized me from watching velocities and they were like, Mason, you're doing great. Can I have your autograph? And I'm like, that might have been the one person in the entire <laughs> building that knew who I was. But it made me, it gave it gave me confidence to be like, you know, this is my first event, but somebody does know me here. You know, maybe I do belong here amongst the best. So I think it's healthy in a sense at that point for young guys. You know, when someone recognizes them, it gives them a certain boost of, you know, confidence. But I feel like if you do it at too much of a young age, they'll take it for granted and not enjoy it, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That was my uh, yeah. take on it. Hey, completely I don't know about good. Yours, uh, same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, but you, yeah. you know, I give you a bad time, but I, you've changed, <laughs> you know, and we all change. What's the point of going through life if we don't evolve? I remember, yes, I think it was in Billings. I was doing a Q&A, one of those tours with you. Zeke yep. might have been with us. And somebody said, what do you do like for workouts to prepare? And you instantly said, I don't do anything. I'm down to the JB Mooney deal. I just, and I pull, I think yeah. I pulled you aside and said, make something up. Like, yeah. I, I know that's you your did, first yeah. answer. I said, they want to know you're a professional athlete. Yeah. But now you've changed. You, first of all, you've changed here, but now, you know, your career has gotten longer. That was, I mean, how old are you now? I'm 24. So that was five years ago, probably. Yep. Yep. You now see if you're going to last in this deal you first of all you need to do something for your career to last and you need to give that person an answer right yep for for dang sure like um i wouldn't say that i'm as much of a gym rat as cooper is because cooper goes every single day and he you know yep. he works out and he watches what he eats and all that um and he taught me a lot like i mean that was I don't do as much as I should, but I have to now. Like it is a, it is a point that I have to stay to where I'm either riding a horse bareback or I'm jumping rope in the garage or I'm sitting in the sauna or I'm doing stuff that is going to help not only my bull riding, but me in general staying healthy enough to be the best that I can be. Cause I've had injuries now and surgeries to where stuff don't move like it used to. I have to do these things to get ready. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I I understand stuff not moving like you. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. Um, no, right. I, I, and I've noticed that about you, and I I've expressed that to you, maybe not in those words, but um, I know our our guy Rich Blinn has tortured you. Uh, Rich oh, Blinn, man. cheeks from our sports medicine program, he has tortured you for five years about yeah. about. Oh, yeah calling you on the carpet in big sky and just, and all of that is healthy 
because yeah. all of that is building blocks to get you to the guy you are now. What would you do without exactly. that? Right? I mean, I don't know where I would be. I probably wouldn't have stayed around or changed or matured or, you know, wanted to prove him wrong or, you know, stuff like that. It's little things like that that make great stories that you're talking about, having a story. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all part of it. It's all, like you're saying, building blocks and stepping stones to the end goal. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I enjoy every minute of it. It's funny when I've been around a few guys through my years that will go, I'm more like JB Mooney. I don't, uh, I don't do something, not, not just, it, and I always go to them. There was one, there was one of those and everything. Listen, JB, I think people looked at him and had a beer and a cigarette and he's doing this. Yeah. But I guarantee you, much like Justin McBride, you can ask him and he'll tell you. And I'm sure he has. It may have looked like they were dicking around doing stuff. Everything they were doing, they were thinking about bull riding and they were thinking yep. about winning. Every yep. bit of it. So it's not what people think, I don't think. It's not. No. Because me being fortunate enough to be on Justin's team now and being able to go through the team format with him, him as a coach, how he goes about being a coach is how he went about riding bulls. And like you said, it might have looked like that he was always jacking around, but nobody knows what he was doing in his hotel room when he woke up. Everybody's seen the wild and the partying and all that stuff, you know, at nighttime, but they'd never seen when he would get up in the morning and do the workout that Ty gave him when he would work out in the, in the morning in the floor of his hotel room. And then when he would go to the event, you know, they always seen afterwards, you know, in the locker room, drinking beer and doing all that. They don't remember that he just was 93 and won the round, you know, like he, everything that he did was for winning bull riding. And he tells us all the time, I don't care what y'all go do. He said, but when y'all come into this building, there's a certain standard and you have to get the job done. Because if you don't get the job done, then why are you here? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just. I think it's cool. So I watched, for one, I was watching the championship round from Tulsa. So great. So great to see around like that again. But here, you're the first one out in the championship round, correct? Yep. Justin McBride is doing the commentary on TV. Justin McBride, who during the team season is your coach. And I knew yes, the, I knew exactly what he was doing. He started, because I made a note. I, reached, I, I was sitting there and wrote it down. He said, and you know how it gets that gravel? Uh, on paper. He said, on paper, this doesn't look good for Mason Taylor. And he yeah. said, this is a guy that should be top 10 every season in the PBR. But he's just not. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. The bull was border crisis. Yep. And you rode the piss out of that bull perfectly. Justin McBride, I felt him, if you watch it back or whatever, sending you a message because he, know, he knows it about you, that, damn it, you should be in the top 10 every year. That's the message yes. he said. And he believes it. And he said it on TV to get it across to you. You think I'm right yes, there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, I don't know, it's weird. Him and Lambert are the only two people that can say the 
the things like that that click in my head. You know, other people say it, and you know, I just kind of blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. They're, they'll try to tell me what or whatever I'm doing wrong or whatever, whatever. But McBride and Lambert have simplified it so much for me to understand it that yeah, nobody wanted that bull at all. They left him. I was 12. And you know what's crazy now? I was sitting down on the arena floor while everybody was picking, and I looked at Dalton, and I said, man, I'm just glad to be back. And he said, yeah. He said, we're glad you're back. I said, I've craved. I said, I've, I've missed having to get on something that nobody wants to get on. Like, I'm craving it right now. Like, I don't care which one it is. I've missed the feeling of, dang, I don't want to get on that one, but I have to. Like, I've missed that freaking feeling. So when I was walking back there, Jesse Petrie asked me, what'd you get? I said, border crisis. He said, oh. I said, nah, it's all right. I said, I'll just ride all the black off of him. So I freaking went over there and I got my rope, went on the back of the bucking chutes. And the whole thing that went through my head was every team season or uh, during the team season, every event, Justin would look at whoever kind of had the the tougher bull in the in the pen and be like, "Hey, don't talk yourself out of it." One, and two, it's an opportunity to be great. So that's all I thought about when I got on the back of the buck and shoot. It's an opportunity because what ha- the bull's supposed to buck me off. He's supposed to. That's his job. I mean, nobody likes him. He's I'm not supposed to get along with him. But who cares? This opportunity. What if I what if I ride him? That's what I was thinking about. What if I ride him? Yeah. And then when I rode him and got off, I was just like, you know, yeah, he just cracked him out and turned back right there to the left. But <clears throat> it felt so good that somebody that everybody had left him there because they didn't want him. And I was able to make the most of that of that chance. Why like, I appreciate it, that more. Yeah. Why didn't anybody want it? It was that a good, it must've been a good day for him. I yeah, mean, that was, I, I honestly, I don't know if that's him every time I haven't seen him very much. I just know that he normally don't stand that good in the buck and shoot. Like he's got a halter on and I guess at Denver court McFadden got on him and nodded and they didn't let the halter go in time. Well, the gate was open and they finally let the halter go and he flipped over on court so, I don't know. I guess he's just a little hair-triggered in there, but, I mean, I just kind of kept my weight off of him and walked up there and just, you know, when I went, just I'm glad they let the halter go, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, look good. Yeah. And, yeah. by the way, McBride's right. You should be top 10 every year. I mean, yeah, it just, we all know it. You just need to know it, right? And now, yeah, feeling sure. good. Um, in the you, you bring up teams a lot. I've said with the team thing that a lot of Cowboys are Cowboys because they don't want to be on a team. You know, that's just a fact. A lot of, a lot of rodeo and bull riding fans are fans because they don't want to watch a team, but it does bring some great elements. And the thing I've always given an advantage in rodeo, bull riding, whatever it is, event it is. I've always given just a little advantage to those guys who played other sports. Yeah. Stuff's falling here. (laughs) <laughs> because I think there's a a way you learn how to win, you learn how to train, you learn now on the team stuff. But you were, like, your golf game ain't too shabby. There's not a more mental game in the world than golf. That's no joke. There's got to be something that translates. Like, how good a golfer are you? Tell me about your golf game. 
Well, when I was playing every day before I tore my growing yeah. and couldn't play all the time, uh, I got to where I could consistently go out and shoot between 75 and 79. <laughs> That's not bad. That's good. We're yeah. Logan's yeah. a golfer. Yeah. Um, so I could consistently go out and shoot between 75 and 79. And, now that's uh, on that's oh, on nine holes, right? That's nine. Yeah, that's on that's on nine. <laughs> um, and my lowest round ever, I went to my home course, and during a skins game, I played and I shot sixty nine. Mm. It was the craziest game or craziest round of golf I've ever went and played in my life. Uh, I will never feel another feeling like that ever on a golf course again. Like I could hit whatever shot I wanted. My putter was hot. My wedge game was ridiculous. Like. It, it was, it was, I can say I shot 69, but I, I'll never do it again. <laughs> but that, was, that mental fun. part of that, when you're dialed in golfing, it is people, you'll say these golfers are making all this money, hitting a little ball, try it, go ahead, you know, but that mental part of it, you got to be able to carry some of that over. I mean, there's so, a focus well, there. Yeah. Yeah. The way that I, the way that I compared the two or the way that, um, I feel like playing a lot of golf and then riding bulls and stuff, the way that I could translate the two was making sure that my routine was the exact same every single time. So my routine before I'd set up and hit a shot, I made sure that it was the same every time. Because if I do the same things every time, I can hit a good shot every time. So I would always make sure that, you know, when I go to the arena, I would make sure that I do the same thing every time. Whether I stay on, whether I don't, you know, I try not to be superstitious. Um, but there's just some things that I am superstitious about. But most of the time that I would I would just try to make sure that I do the same exact thing every time. Being disciplined enough to take the amount of time to do the everything that I do the exact same every time. And I feel like that that's how I compared the two. Because, you know, everybody wants to go for it on a par five. If you can hit your clubs fairly decent, you hit a good drive, you want to go for it in two on a par five. You want to get try to get there. Right. <clears throat> when I uh when I shot sixty nine that day, there's one, two, there's three par fives on my course. And two of them are very gettable, and one of them you have to have a 30 mile an hour wind behind you to even try to think about getting it there in two. So I just, you know, was like, I'm just going to be disciplined enough to lay up on every par three today or lay up on every par five and par every par three today. That was my goal. Mm -hmm. I birdied three out of the four par threes and I birdied every par five that day. And so me setting that one little goal of not going for it on the par fives and making sure that I took enough club to par every par three turned out it went a lot better than it should have. And I birdied four, I birdied three out of the four par threes and I birdied every par five. Hmm. And, you know, it just kind of showed me, yeah, going for it is cool. That's the cool thing to do, but the business thing to do is to lay up, get up there, two putt, and leave. Don't take any strokes. You had so a plan. I kind of would put, you had a plan. Huh? You had a plan. I had a plan. Yeah. So that's kind of what I try to do 
in bull riding. You know, the bulls, you don't ever know what they're going to do, but some of them do have a pattern that they like to do. So me getting a game plan together is like that. So now my goal before I go and get on any bull, and I've said it since I rode really good at the finals that one year I broke my jaw. I just tra- I just take it one jump at a time, and I try to ride them like they're going straight. That's all I think about now. Because if I can take the first jump away from him and win the first jump, I can win the second jump. And if I just focus on each jump the same and take the same approach to every bull, I'm more likely going to succeed now because I'm not thinking about who he's bucked off or what he's supposed to do or anything like that. I just try to take it one jump at a time, one bull at a time, and – if you ride three in a weekend, you ain't gonna take no less than third. That's right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I have a I've learned from Justin McBride that it's easy. Good posture. Yeah. Find the front yep. end. Keep your shoulders yep. with his shoulders. He yep. says it all it's the that time. Yeah. It's that simple. That's what I mean when I say him and Lambert have simplified it so much for me to understand. If you just meet them, like if you win every jump if you win every single jump that that bull takes well then the whistle's gonna go off and now you just gotta worry about getting off good enough to get on another one yeah i mean they've simplified it that much yeah (laughs) justin mcbride told me one time he said if i can see him i can ride him yeah true so head down you're looking at him and you just went you like you're saying great posture (laughs) yeah ty murray always said there (laughs) There's not that many. There's very few fundamentals to bull riding. You just have to do them all at the right time. Yep. You just have to, you know, time it out. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you were, uh, you know, talking about team sports, but you were a baseball guy. Big. Yeah. Big into baseball. Used to be. Yes, sir. Yeah. Used to be. Were you, ca- be were you with it. catcher? What? Yep. Pitcher, catcher. Yep. So you guys almost made it to. Pennsylvania to the Little League World yeah. Series, right? Yeah. Real close. Yeah, yeah. It is it is crazy. Yeah, I thirty five Express was the name of that team, and that was that was uh that was one of the coolest teams that I've been a part of. You know, like you get you know with a team, or you watch a movie about a team that all the guys just flick. Uh-huh. You know, you're one moving unit, and that was that was that team. I was a part of that team for four years, and two out of them four years. We got to go to the Little League World Series here and then missed it that one year going to Williamsport by one game. Oh, yeah, so, that, that Williamsport, it's cool. That's, that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that is why I think I'm coachable um, in a team's aspect in bull riding um, and not only coachable, know how to relate in a team format yeah. because of – that team right there at 35 express um our coach coach terry he was a very very disciplined coach you show up at this time we're going to work on these things and then after we can go have fun go eat do whatever but when we show up we're there to not make errors was the one that we literally had a sheet that was rules in the dugout no fumbled errors Number two, work as a team. And number three, 
you know, enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. We would enjoy the game of baseball. Don't take it for granted or do all none of that. Like it was just, it was a really fun team to be a part of. Anybody on that team now that you're 24 years old, anybody that you played with that plays now that you can watch, like uh, that went on to play bigger? I, uh, I don't know if they're not on any major league teams, no, but they're all in college right now. Um, yeah. And I think one of them still plays baseball. And I think it's Landon Moon. And I don't know where he's going to college or nothing like that. But I don't know if he's still playing or not. But I know he was when he graduated high school. Mm-hmm. So, As we record this, I know it's going to be available. Yeah. As we record <laughs> this, I'm going to a wedding this weekend. And it's my, nep- oh, it's my nephew, my sister's son. And he's been with, yeah. the White, with the White Sox and is now the pitching coach at University of Nebraska, Omaha. So, oh, so I'm, awesome. so I'm practically a great baseball player just because, yeah. just because, just because of, yeah, you right, you know, I played second base oh, yeah. cause that's all the stronger arm I had, right? Second <laughs> to first, second to first. So oh, yeah. I could steal a lot of bases though. I was pretty, I was pretty quick. So, yeah, man, I used to be quick. Like that was, that was one thing I loved was, you know, leading off and Hey, when you're a young kid, like playing when you're, you know, 10 years old or whatever, and you hit 11 you and they let you start leading off. Oh, you yeah. think you're the biggest, you think you're a major league <laughs> baseball player when you're over leading off and <laughs> watching the pitcher and oh yeah. Like we're going to go, we're going to go yet. Oh yeah. It was, it was fun. Like Willie Mays Hayes. I'm major oh, yeah. league. Where are you going? About 90 feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of one last thing. I, and this was inspired this question by something Cooper Davis told me about learning. He said the team, there's so many things people have talked about, about the bull riding team deal. And he said, the one thing said never in his career was he on a group message or had numbers of Brazilian riders. Everybody yeah. was always friendly. Everybody gets along, but to really learn uh, things about them. What about you and in your dealings where you're closer with guys, anything you've learned or seen about the Brazilian riders that maybe you didn't know before that either surprised you, impressed you, you know, man, I'm just like, and it impresses me all the time. Like every team practice, I've noticed it. Like them guys are a family. Every one of them, like there's, I don't know. There's probably a hundred over a hundred of them now in Decatur. And when it's not freezing outside, like it is now, like, you know, they'll buck bulls at Jose's house or Kaiki's house or Silvano's house and have a barbecue, and they're one big family. I mean, and I've noticed it, like, when we get, had a team practice at Silvano's house or Kaiki's, we would buck bulls, and then, shoot, we'd go up there, they would cook picanha, and we would sit there and just literally whatever we wanted to talk about. We'd sit there and eat dinner and enjoy each other's company and just hang out. Well, that's them all the time. And it just impressed me that these guys probably didn't know each other in Brazil, but here, you know, they're, they're a collective unit. Like they're, they're a family. If one of them goes down, they all, you know, it's just crazy. Like how everything is over there in Decatur. Like it surprised the crap out of me, honestly, because I figured, you know, 
like us, we have our group of friends we hang out with, and then we got our friends that we see on the weekend, and then we got our friends that we'll go out to the bar with and whatever. Well, you know, that's three different or four different mm-hmm. set of friend group. These guys, they do everything together. Everything. I mean, they travel up to the weekend together. They stay together. They come home. They hang out together. I mean, they're all, it's just, it's nuts. Yes, when you're taken out of your own culture and there's a language barrier, you got to stick with each other. It's all, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. I, I've said a while, people were like, man, look how good they're doing. And with the language barrier, there's so much, you know, well, the language barrier can be a benefit because they're not distracted by all the other. They're crap. not distracted by nothing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think I get a kick out of watching Kaiki do an interview. You know, he acts like he can't speak English. Oh, yeah. But you go, you go back there into the locker room and you can have a complete and full understanding conversation with him. It cracks me up. I've told, I've told Silvano now that I've got to know him better, probably in the yeah. last three years. I've got to know Silvano better. I'm like, you're yeah. a turd, man. You've made your living out of pretending you don't speak English. Like, oh, oh I know. no interview, no interview. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're full of crap, man. Yeah, he is. Hey, I promise you, he speaks as good as English as I do. Because <laughs> he's kind of funny. Silvano's yeah. sneaky funny. But they oh, all, he is hilarious. And they all freaking cook. Like, they all can. Oh, every one of them. Lucas Teodoro, They're all good cooks, Lucas too. Teodoro stayed at my place and cooked for Webb and I. Just crazy. No, he's, man, and. I don't understand how they make that picanha steak taste so good. It's, they just use salt. It's sea it's salt. Just salt. It's coarse sea salt. And they've told me forever, you get good meat. You got to get good beef. Yeah. But they that coarse sea salt and it, the salt gets hotter than the normal. So it seals in the flavor and the, the yeah. look at us. Like having this, oh, but it's true. Uh-huh. They, and they just kind of do this. They just kind of, yep. Yeah. yeah. And then they flip it a lot. I don't know. Look, look we're giving- I don't know either. Cause, hey, I tried to cook it one time and it was good, but it don't taste like no freaking how they do it. Yeah. Look at, look at us giving cooking tips, this podcast, cooking hey, tips. You ought, to ask Keith, you ought to ask Keith Ryan, Cartwright, how his Picanha experience went. Did he try to cook or did he? He tried to cook it at home and he'd come back and he said, yeah, it sucked. I ain't ever cooking it again. <laughs> Something about it, man. Something about it. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, also, then I'll let you go. This is one thing I want to bring up is uh, that we have as impressive a young group of bull riders. And I will say, I mean, yeah, Cassio Diaz is out. He's out of this world. But yeah, the group, right. it's encouraging to see the young group of American bull riders. We got you. Um, Court McFadden's right there. Little A, Austin Richardson. John Crimber, who is, he's a hybrid, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Man, that's fun to see. We come out of Tulsa with seven 90-point rides in the short round and in bull country. The, it, it's, a, of course, it's right after I'm done in the arena, but it excites yeah. me. I am I am ingrained in it. I, I'm yeah. hooked right now. Good group. It's a great group. Because, um, like, when... Me and Zeke and Dalton Castle and Dalen Swearingen, like when we all come around and we were the group of rookies that were up, it was a lot of fun because of, you know, we knew each other, we hung out with each other, you know, but we we still kind of wanted to beat each other, 
you know, we still do to this day. We want to beat each other every time. But the group of kids that are coming up now, they are best friends. Like, they – I mean, they went to every junior rodeo together and high school rodeo together that I know of, like high school finals and all that. Like, you got Clay Guyton. Yeah, Clay. John I Krimber. forgot about Clay. Yeah. I mean, you got Clay Guyton, John Krimber, um, Caden Bunch. Uh, Caden Loud. Caden Loud. Loud. I mean, Caden Loud lives, you know, he lives 15 minutes from my house and he hangs out with me and Austin Richardson all the time. Does he like speak? We've literally, does he talk? Yeah, he, he does. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Cannon Cravens? He about like him. Yeah, I remember Cannon. Yeah, if yeah. he knows you, he'll talk to you. But if not, he ain't got nothing to say to That's nobody. Funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But, but yeah, he lives just down the road and, you know, he we've been hanging out with Caden for, I mean, Lil A's been hanging out with him since he was 10 years old. And I've seen him at the TYBR since he was in the calf riding. I mean, like, all these kids that are coming up are like our little brothers that we've seen at every junior rodeo, every high school rodeo. And it's just cool that they're actually not only in the locker room with us, but they deserve to be there. I mean, these kids are freaking ranked that are coming up. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. I, it I, makes, it yeah. makes the sport. I mean, it does nothing but help the sport. Yeah. I remember when Chris Shivers and Luke Snyder, when they were those guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it can be fun. So, well, listen, buddy, um, I appreciate your thoughts. And, yeah, again, thank you for having me. You, you should be a top 10 guy every time. Yes. Sir. You know, and, yeah. and uh, I just, I wanted to do this because I've seen where you've been and, what you were and what you become and you know, always a good kid. Just, you know, you little turd. My, my sister always says, go lay in the grass with the other turds. And, uh, you don't have to lay in the grass anymore. Mason. <laughs> yes. sir. Yeah. I'm growing up. <laughs> That's right. So keep it up. Let's go. All right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Thanks buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. Flint. See you.